Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, welcome to Music, Word, Hope, and Prayer. This is John Hilly. So glad that you're joining us, and and, and Nate, good to see you. What you been up to? Just enjoying some uh, early fall days. I think we're going to get some fall weather this weekend. Probably nice weather for the wedding, actually, you have going on. And also doing a show at Belmont. It's called Working. It's opening this weekend. It's not really well known, but it's got music by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote oh. Hamilton. And also James Taylor wrote some music for it, too. So great music in it. Uh, not well known, but it's a lot of fun. All right. That sounds like uh, two stars right there. Uh Man, that's not, that's going to be fun to play. Uh, yeah. Are you uh, directing that? Or yeah, you... music directing that. And we have a, a little band with it. It's piano, bass, drums, guitar, so more of a rock show. Okay. And it's a lot of fun. All right. Go to the Belmont website and you can find information on that if you're looking to hear some uh, some good music. Yeah, you mentioned the wedding. Um, my son's getting married this weekend. Yeah. And he he asked me to officiate. So I, I'm so thrilled. I, I hope I don't embarrass myself. I know I'm going to choke up and, and tear up so hopefully i can uh not slobber all over the place um now you play weddings from time to time and so i th- i just have to ask you do you have any great uh wedding uh observances in terms of embarrassing moments that you've witnessed yeah i've played a lot of weddings in my day not as many as i used to there was a time where i would have sometimes three weddings on a saturday a two o'clock a four o'clock and a six o'clock back when i lived in west virginia and there weren't as many musicians to go around oh. you could say um, I almost hate to tell this one, uh, but with you having a wedding this weekend, but I did have one wedding where the bride got cold feet and did not show up. So we, I went to the wedding, we were playing the prelude. Uh, I said they're running behind. I kept, we kept playing the prelude oh, no. and, uh, eventually they came up and, and made an announcement. The, the bride decided not to show, uh, but we, we bought a bunch of free food for the reception, so please go to the reception, enjoy our food, and then I, I got paid and I went home. So I did have one of those. <laughs> that will not happen in this case, no, I thankfully. Trust it won't. But uh, uh, man, uh, wow, that's quite a story. That hasn't happened to me. I, I just uh, have only had stories where the best man had forgotten the, the ring, and and then the uh, he went running out of the a long, long sanctuary. Uh, to go grab it out of his car and took forever. And uh, then the groom, I mean, the best, the groom said, do something, pastor. And, and I said, what do you want me to do? And so I ended up doing an impromptu sermon there. And uh, wow. I wish I had you. I would just uh, turn them <laughs> over to you and let you play for a while. Well, folks, uh, we're talking here about, uh, we put a wrap this past week at East Brentwood on a theme that we've been looking at of church, uh, a safe space. Can it be a safe space? And we said it's a place that's pro, not anti. And so I've been thinking about, well, pro what? And and I want to claim the space of being pro-hope. And so um, after the music, I'll come back and share some thoughts on um, a pretty important theme. I'll be using Luke 24 as the text. It's that wonderful story of the road to Emmaus. 
And uh, Nate, what do you have going on musically? Yeah, bringing in a song, Bread for the World. We had World Communion Sunday, and it really fit well. We had a, a great woodwind player oh, from he, Nashville. Man, he was great. Yeah, it, it's always smart of woodwind players to learn a bunch of different woodwind instruments. makes them really marketable and versatile. And this guy is sort of the, the king of that. He played flute for us. He played tenor saxophone. He played clarinet on Sunday. He also plays others as well, oboe and bassoon and other ones. So he's a great musician. We are happy to have him and we'll we'll feature him a little bit uh, on this podcast. And listener, he didn't play them all at one time, but no. <laughs> uh, but uh, he wasn't a trio, but man, we uh, he added a whole lot to the service. So um, thank you for uh, listening today and I'll come back after the music to the music word, hope and prayer. So we mentioned in the opening that uh, we're coming to you in October, and it was hard to believe that it was 10 years ago uh, in October, uh, first Sunday in October, that I started what what I thought would be a a one-year run at the church where now 10 years I'm still uh, have the privilege of serving. Uh, Maybe it was the fact that uh, that was going on, but also the fact that, uh, well, not the fact, because it was more of a nudging of the Spirit of God that was telling me to go back to a story, a scripture passage that tends to be read around Easter time. That is the new beginning for what we are about when it comes to quote-unquote church, as we talk about church being a safe space. It is said that when you're out in the woods and you get lost, uh, it's important to orient off of key things, whether it be a, a stream bed or a river. Uh, or a mountain that's off in the distance to help you regain your bearings. So the the text read um, for today, Luke 24, is just such sort of a benchmark for me. Uh, and, and so I'm not going to read the whole text, but it's, if you want to, uh, I'll put it in the, the surface, service notes. Uh, that is um, Luke 24, 13 through 27. And the text describes how it was Easter afternoon, after, afternoon, and a couple of disciples, uh, they're walking from Jerusalem about seven miles away to the little village of Emmaus. 
And it seems that they're attempting to put as much distance as they can from the Roman authorities, or maybe they wanted to put distance between themselves and the failed Messiah, the crucified Jesus. And as they were walking, this stranger, put in parentheses, Jesus, shows up and he says, why are you looking so depressed? I can only imagine that the disciples looked at him oddly and why I don't, I don't know why they didn't recognize him, but they said, are you the only one who doesn't know what has happened? And then the Jesus who they can't recognize says, what things? Strangely. And then Jesus of Nazareth, they say, a prophet. And some chief priest had the last word and it's over. And then some women came back and preached that he had been raised. Now, I love the story. I, I love how they walk together. I, for a period of time, I've focused a whole lot upon walking and, and what can be done when you put one foot in front of the other and went on pilgrimages and things like that. And, and I love how they walk together and how while they walk together, uh, this stranger, Jesus, kind of conducts this Bible story, this Bible study from Moses down through the prophets. And I was thinking, Nashville lost not long ago, just this incredible person named Charlie Strobel. He was founder of Room in the Inn, which was known uh, as a place that uh, encouraged um, and cared for and welcomed uh, a safe place for the homeless to gather, and then encouraged uh, synagogues and mosques and churches to open up their doors and to house, during the winter months, um, people who were homeless and need a, a safe place to stay. And so Charlie comes to my mind. In fact, last time I was with Charlie Strobel, we talked about this whole story, and we tend to focus upon this story, if you read on in Luke 24, of how they... Um, uh, uh, the disciples invite uh, this stranger Jesus, who they can't recognize, to come in and have a meal with them. And when they have a meal together, Jesus breaks the bread and their eyes are open, the text says, and they recognized him. I can, fi- I can picture Charlie standing in as a stand-in for Jesus. Uh, Charlie had such kind eyes and he had such a non-anxious presence. As he invited us, into life lived more deeply, especially as he cared for his and our neighbors, homeless individuals. So I love that part of the story where it's, it's getting late. Jesus is going to walk on. But the disciples, Cleopas and the other, say, come on in, have dinner with us. And it was then when Jesus breaks bread that they recognize him at last. Did, I, did our hearts not burn, they said. But in going back over this favorite story, I realized I had glossed over something. Never noticed it before. It's there in verse 20 when the disciples said, quote, We had hoped. We had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, end quote. It was Will Willimon who pointed it out. He's pointed out on a number of occasions, but it always escaped me until I heard him at the Festival of Homiletics where he spoke around this story. And what Willimon points out is that is what triggers in Jesus to say what appears to be almost a cursing of the disciples at the point where they had spoken of their hope. Anatoi, Kai, 
bright eyes. You foolish, dim-witted people. First day of his resurrected life, and he calls out his disciples, cursing them right at the point when they spoke of their hope. And you got to wonder, why does he curse them? Does he curse them for their hope? So, like I said in the opening, we've been looking at church, safe space, a place that's pro, not anti, a place that is pro-hope. And so obviously, I have a problem here in reconciling this sort of angry Jesus in Luke 24 with what my uh, uh, my premise is, is that we are a place that is pro-hope. So I got some dissonance going on here and something's not right. So... And it led me to thinking about the last couple of years, how back around this time last year, we were preparing a a mailer to go out to over 4,000 households located in the neighborhoods around our church. And the postcard read, A Voice of Hope and Purpose During This Time of Uncertainty. If you remember how 2022 was, it was still a matter of uncertainty, even though 2021 and 2020 was something else. A voice of hope and purpose during this time of uncertainty. We don't have a mission. We are a mission. We reveal hope every day by our actions and our love. It's what the postcard read as it went out. And and you you got to think, hope is a good thing, right? And we had hoped that attendance would go back up and churches get back up to a pre-COVID level. We had hoped that virtual worship was like actual worship. We had hoped in Tennessee that Governor Lee would have given us a little more gun reform this past August when he called legislators together for a special session. Instead, we got a couple of free gun locks and a few behavioral health safety net grants when the majority of Tennesseans were hoping, hoping, expecting even something more significant. And, you know, we had hoped that inflation would have turned back more than it has been Try to buy a new car recently or a used car. Ooh, and you can feel it in the checkout line at the grocery store. We had hoped that this series that I had been working on, Safe Space, speaking on controversial subjects such as inclusivity and welcome and pro-women and against some of the isms that have led to people leaving the church in droves for what they perceive as a people being full of judgment. We had hoped it would have led to People who would have heard this message like you on the podcast who have darkened the door more so than what we've seen. We had hoped that there might be real energy in our step. We had hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel, the disciples say, this Jesus who wouldn't stop preaching that then got himself arrested and we had hoped that now our hopes have been dashed. I don't know why the disciples didn't recognize Jesus. I do you? I do know that when people don't live up to our hopes and expectations, we can become disappointed. And you can understand when I say that disappointment can cloud your vision of how you see another person. And I know that you can understand when I say everyone disappoints. Parents disappoint children and vice versa, pastors disappoint their congregations and vice versa, spouses disappoint and vice versa. The question is, what do we do with that disappointment? 
And maybe here in looking at this text, there's a freedom and the ability to be honest with this stranger about their disappointment, and that honestly allows them to finally come to see Jesus as he truly is, not as who they had hoped he would be. And we can't tell here if during this whole conversation going on in Emmaus was the disciples getting real with Jesus and being honest, we had hope, or are they just dim-witted and Jesus calling them out dim-witted and he's mad? About hope. About hope, the pragmatists in the room have little tolerance for hope. They'd say a fool's errand, hope is. Let me get wonky here for a minute. And looking at uh, the 19th century German philosopher Ludwig, Ludwig Feuerbach, sorry about that, and it sent me going back to look at him when Willeman mentioned him in his talk. And then I looked at Al- Alistair McIntyre's treatment of this whole movement of what led to modern psychology and liberal theology who said of Christians of his day that what you call God, Feuerbach said, is just, quote-unquote, wish fulfillment. Religion is simply the rejection of human nature onto an illusory, illusory transcendent plane, is what he said. And what we call God is merely a commentary on vain aspirations, wishes, fantasies. What you call God is a commentary on human anxieties. That's Feuerbach. And there's some truth to what he says here, but only some truth. And listening to Will Willimon, I think it's important in our lives to pay attention to this, what I might call false hope and true hope, and of the importance of divining false hope from true hope. For as Willimon said, hope can be the parent of idolatry, because false hope is always easier to live with than true hope, otherwise known as Jesus Christ, end quote, he said. False hope is always easier because it doesn't demand anything of us. After all, it is self-constructed. This hunky-dory hope, this pie-in-the-sky sort of aim, this wishful thinking, doesn't require anything of us. But here's the thing. That when we face difficult times and challenges, when the shadows lengthen and we find ourselves seven miles from nowhere, false hope can be self-defeating. When we face some difficulty and our pain, we can manufacture false hopes. We say, God doesn't give us more than you can handle. There's got to be a blessing somewhere in the cancer that you have. Or, and the list can go on. And it's easy to want to fall into these false hopes. False hope can deceive. It comes up short. True hope asks of us, requires of us, expects of us, however. And I think Jesus was expecting something of his disciples here. For for me as a preacher and for preachers... um, we are trying to knit what we call the church together and to find, have a place that people find a place of welcome. Sometimes that's hard to do, especially when you might try to preach hard messages. 
or you want to try to shake people from their false hope. So about this importance of teasing out the difference between false hope from true hope. I don't know if this is just all kind of wishful thinking for you to even engage in this about separating them out. False hope can deceive. It can come up short. And true hope asks something of us, requires some accountability, um, expects of us something. I think the Apostle Paul speaks about this true hope with a text that comes in from him in 1 Corinthians, and it's often read on Easter as well. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation preaching has been in vain. And your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. So the question is, John, well, what is your question? And it is that, is all we're left with, is it just now, the here and now? And that our goal in life is to be good people and to be empathetic people. And that we'll do the best we can to get through some difficulty. Or is there something that cuts a little bit deeper that Paul suggests about the true hope that comes in Jesus Christ? So what might it mean to be pro-hope? If we want to divine out the false hope from the true hope, uh, what might be a grounding for you in terms of true hope, to be pro-hope? I'm going to borrow again from Will Willimon, who says, try this on, that Jesus was not only raised from the dead, but that he refuses to walk into his resurrection alone and therefore refuses to let us, let you, wallow in your vain false hopes. And that he not only rises for us, but comes to hold us accountable, to judge us, dashing our false hope like he, I'm guessing, did with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Pro-hope is that he works for good with us when we're up to it. Pro-hope is that he promises to work for good even when we're not up to it. He keeps opening the scriptures to us. He continues the conversation with us. He continues to not only be loving, he continues to be the enemy of false gods, and he shall rule until he brings everything under his feet, including the last enemy, which is death. That is pro-hope. And it is pro-hope that Jesus shows up on the road to Emmaus and on your roads today. Ironically, he walks to us when so often we keep walking away. But thanks be to God, we're here today. Maybe to talk to Jesus in some way. As Jesus seeks to show up for us. Thank you for listening. And I hope that as you go through this day, that you may lean into the hope 
that is grounded not just in the here and now, but the hope that is grounded beyond what we know in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC videos.